uh, 109 uh, as in preparation for tonight. Uh, it didn't sit well with me when I first read it. Uh, I read the whole thing, and I'm like, man, this seems really harsh, Lord. Um, I'm just going to read the whole thing, uh, at least all the way through verse 20. You'll get a flavor of it, and then we'll walk through it. Uh, again, Psalm 109, verse 1, to the choir master, Psalm of David. Be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are open against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer, for they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man against him, and let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, none, nor any to pity his fatherless children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may be cut off the memory of them from the earth. For he did not remember to show kindness but pursued the poor and needy and the brokenhearted to put them to death. He loved a, to curse. Let curses come upon him. He did not delight in blessing. May it be far from him. He clothed himself with cursing as his coat. May it soak into his body like water. May oil into his bone, like oil into his bones. May it be like a garment that the wraps around him, like a belt that puts him on every day. May this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord, of those who speak evil against my life. It doesn't seem like this prayer should be uh, fitting, uh, fit in the Bible. Uh, this is what we call an imprecatory psalm when, when a, the psalmist is crying out for judgment against uh, the evil party. There are several imprecatory uh, psalms that are kind of woven in, and, and we see this one again here. Uh, now, one of the reasons why I, I, I think I responded in, in, a, in a difficult way is because many of the words we see in the New Testament is to what? Is to, to, to love your enemies uh, and, and to pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you. We see this all the time in, in the New Testament. Uh, so I think there's one aspect that the, the, New, the New Testament faith is, is one that we are praying that God would, would be gracious and kind even to those who despise us. And yet, I think there's another reason why I didn't respond well to it is because I don't understand sin. I don't understand the, the justice that sin deserves. Let's walk through this psalm, and, and, and let me try to make a couple points here. Um, it begins with praise. Be not silent, O God of my praise. And there is praise from the beginning of the psalm and praise at the end. So even in the midst of, of this situation in, in David's life, we don't know what situation this is, is David, or is David just speaking this as prophetically uh, for the people of God as an individual lament, maybe a, a one that could be read for the, the community. But either way, from the beginning and to the end, there's this idea of praise, that in the midst of the, the, the turmoil or the hate that's happening in my life against me, I will be a person of, of praise. I think that helps us interpret actually the whole entire, entire psalm. Keep that in mind. In verse 2, it says, For wicked and deceitful mouths are open against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. 
If you've ever had people lie against you, you understand how hard this is. A, a deceitful tongue is one of the, the, the most vile things in our, in our world. And especially when people are maligning and speaking evil against you when it is undeserved, unwarranted. It's interesting, when you read through the imprecatory psalm, this is actually very similar to Psalm 69, except the only difference in Psalm 69, one of the reasons that, that, this, uh, this, that the psalmist understands the pain that's happening to him is because of his own sin, because of my troubles, the things that I have done. But you will not find that at all in this psalm. There is no sign of evil from the psalmist, which makes me think that is more a prophetic psalm because David was one who was very familiar with his own sin. We see that in Psalm 32, Psalm 51. But here, when you, when you start reading through the psalm, you can get a picture in your mind of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus was one who, who prayed to God, and he was the one who was maligned, wicked, and deceitful minds were open against him, speaking against him with lying tongues. This is the, 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 the life of our Lord. You see this, and they encircled me with words of hate and attacked me without cause. I mean, read through the Gospels, and what do you see? You see in Mark chapter 2, what did Jesus do? A man who was paralyzed was dropped down from the ceiling, and, and Jesus said, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, pick up your mat and walk. And they accused them in his heart, in their hearts, wanting to destroy him. All throughout the the, the, the life of Jesus, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees wanted to kill the Lord Jesus without cause after miracles were done. We see this in verse 4. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. What did the Lord Jesus do but love the people, right? He loved people again and again and again, and they accused him. It's interesting, the word accused there, it's used 17 times in the Old Testament, and that word in the Hebrew is Satan or Satan. Every time you hear the word accuse, you can think of Satan. There is the accuser. Satan is the great accuser, and that word is used four times in this particular psalm. So it's almost like the, the psalmist, is, David, is trying to, to bring to mind the, the great accuser, those who, the, the embodiment of evil who's going to accuse the Lord Jesus. And in verse 5, you see a clear picture of hatred. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. I mean, you see this picture, right? I mean, to do evil, when someone does you evil, that might be understandable, Right? If someone came and kicked you in the shin and you responded by kicking them back in the shin, that would be understandable. Uh, but if, if you came and you gave someone a, a, a million dollars and then they slapped you across the face, that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus did. He, he gave nothing but love and grace and mercy and compassion. And what did people give him in return? Hatred and scorn. They gave him evil when he tried to do them good. Some commentaries don't understand evil, and I think they try to say from verses 6 to verse 20, it's actually not the psalmist or even the Lord Jesus himself as an embodiment of speaking these things 
I, I think what you see here is some try to, to turn it. Well, it's actually what the, maybe what the enemies or the accusers say against the psalmist here, right? Uh, but I don't think that fully makes sense. You read from verses 6 to verse 20 is you, you see justice against wickedness. Now, understand when we, what we're seeing here is when the imprecatory psalms come, starting maybe in, in, in Psalm 5, we, the, the call of judgment is always assumed that there is no repentance, that there is no repentance or turning back, okay? Now, we understand that um, vengeance belongs to God. We don't bring vengeance. So this prayer is, is, is being brought up to the Lord, right, that the Lord is going to answer and bring justice. We see that in, in, in Romans 12, right? Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So if someone is doing you wrong, your response is not to get even. Your response is not to bring vengeance upon them. Your response is to go to God and let God do the ven avenging for you because he is an avenger of sin. And yet I think that we understand that sin really is awful. And the embodiment of sin, I think that we can see that in, in Satan himself, but we can see it in the son of Satan in, in Judas. This is why I'm kind of drawing that occlusion. Look at verses 6 and following. It says, appoint a wicked man against him. So having a wicked ruler, we talked about authority the other day, having a f evil authority is awful. This is the, a, sac a fact of true judgment. Let an accuser stand at his right hand, right? That the, those who are going to be against God uh, uh, will one day be accused by God himself. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty, let his prayer be counted as sin, meaning God does not want to hear from those who, who come to him in prayer if their heart is not in it. Verse 8, may his days be few, may another take his office. Now, you remember that even in, in Acts chapter 1, after uh, the apostles, the Lord Jesus Christ ascended, the disciples were together, they're praying, and they said, we need to replace Judas, right, who fell, fell headlong in the field and his body was burst open, let another take his office. So I think what what the, the, the New Testament writers, inspired by the Holy Spirit, looking back on this psalm, they're saying this is speaking about Judas and those like him, those who betray the Lord Jesus. I mean, just think about that idea again. If I, if I mention Judas's name and, and think about this, so they reward me evil for good. How much good, how much good did the Lord Jesus give to Satan? Not to Satan, how much good did the Lord Jesus do to, to, to the son of Satan, to, to Judas? How many meals did he feed him when Judas was hungry in the field and God fed him as part of the 5,000? When he was thirsty, how God gave him water to drink. Even Jesus reaching out a hand to Judas to feed him water himself. And even when he betrayed him, what did he do? He gave him bread. And Judas responded by giving him evil, by rejecting him. This is why you can see what happens when those who stand against God, they deserve judgment. They deserve all sorts of judgment. And we see that all, the, all through the book of Revelation, do we not, right? When true judgment will happen against those, everyone who stands against the risen, risen Lord. So what you see from verse 9 to verse 20 is all sorts of judgment falling down upon sinners. Jump to verse 16. For he did not remember to show kindness, but pursued the poor and the needy, the brokenhearted, to put them 
to death. So instead of helping the poor and the needy, he crushed them and punished them. This is the embodiment of evil, beloved. And I do think this is a, a legitimate prayer, right, that is being offered, right? I think maybe a simple, simple prayer that we could say is, is, Lord, let justice happen upon my enemies. If it be your will, be gracious to turn them. We are not the Holy Spirit. We did not inspire this psalm. We, we can't understand all the, the workings and minds of God, but we can say, let justice happen. God, will you please give them what they deserve? Or give them Christ. And even when you think about that and just saying it out loud, all these things, all the evil that you see in this passage is what the Lord Jesus Christ died for. He died for you and me and our cursing. He died for you and me and our rebellion. He died for you and me and our lying lips and our deceitful tongues. Willingly and gladly. We gave him evil, and he gives us good. We've given him hate, and he's given us love. What a glorious king that we serve. Verse 20, verses 6 through 19 really is a summation of maybe all those who are, it's kind of written as an individual, but it could be kind of embodied as, as all the Psalms. It could be written as an individual, maybe against a Judas or against Satan himself. But back in verse 20, he kind of widens it again and speaks about his accusers. May this be the reward or the result or the consequence of my accusers from the Lord, of those who speak evil against my, my life. May it return upon their own head. We see this in the Lord Jesus Christ. Judge not, lest the measure you judge will be measured back unto you right? We will know that judgment will come upon us. Then you see a, a shift, a, a pivot there in verse 21, um, and a, a trust back in the Lord. But you, O God, of my, my, o God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your namesake, because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me. I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. I am gone like a shadow at evening, I am shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak through fasting. My body has become gaunt with no fat. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they wag their heads. Another picture, I think, of the Lord Jesus hanging on the cross when people came by and they, they mocked him and ridiculed him and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And they just wag their heads, looking at him in disgust and shame. You know, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I think that sometimes we think that our trials are, are far bigger than they are. The Lord Jesus Christ hung on a cross, absorbing the full wrath of God, and yet he persevered. Beloved, the same spirit that kept Jesus Christ on the cross, the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you and I. We can endure suffering. We can persevere. We can cry out to God like verse 26, help me, O Lord, my God. Save me according to your steadfast love. Whatever you're dealing with today, you can say, save me. Save me, O God, according to your steadfast love, not because of the goodness that's in me, because I deserve what's in this passage, because I know that I'm a sinner. I'm a know that I, I deserve the, the right retribution of God against my sin. So save me. Save me. Verse 27, let them know that this is your hand, O Lord. You have done it. Let them curse, but you will bless. 
They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. Now, we know that happens, is it not? Right? Uh, Because we're thinking about Jesus hanging on the cross and he's cursed, he's maligned, and yet at the end he's going to bless. Why? Because he arises from the dead. The servant of the Lord is glad. Verse 29, may my accusers be clothed with dishonor. May they be wrapped in their own shame as in a cloak. Those who stand against the Lord will face judgment. But verse 30, with my mouth, the psalmist says, I will give thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. You see that praise theme from the beginning to the end? When we're thinking about the trials of life, well, we, 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 we think about this, we know this from the scriptures, but how hard is this to do, right? Blessed is the man who, who perseveres under trial, for he will receive the crown of life. Uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of, of many kinds. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, and hope will not disappoint, because he's poured into your life the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we will endure trials for a little while, but it, it'll, it'll be, we will be refined. It's finer than gold. Listen, all throughout the scriptures, what do you see? You see the people of God suffering, the people of God dealing with accusers and, and those who hate us because of our faith, right? And God says, persevere. It says, in the midst of your persecution, do what? Praise him. Even in a couple of weeks, we'll look in, in, at the end of Acts chapter 5 when, 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 the, sa- when the saints of God were being brought before the, the Sanhedrin and they're being accused, right? And honestly, just, it's interesting. I want to make the point here just for the sake of time, but go back and look at the different uses of the word accused in the, in the New Testament. The word, when Jesus uses the word accused, it's usually always directed at the Jewish leaders, the Jewish leaders who, who did not receive Jesus Christ as Lord when he gave them love, but they returned hate upon him. I think this psalm is very telling to how Jesus looked at the religious leaders of his day. And yet in the midst of when the apostles were cursed and, and, and um, put before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 5, what did they say? They, they left praising God, saying what? That they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. You know, what, what I see among the American landscape is I see a lot of people um, complaining and arguing and becoming embittered that their life is not recognized by the world. What if when we lost our jobs because of our faith, what if we, um, when we we're facing scorn from the, 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 the elite of our day, the rich and the wealthy, when we see things happening in Hollywood that we despise, when, when, when Christians are mocked, what if we say, oh, what a privilege that we were counted worthy to suffer for the name. And we sing praises to our 